Hey there, my name's Mark McCartney and welcome to the What Is A Good Life podcast. First of all, after almost a year of the podcast now, I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who's subscribed, who's downloading the podcast on the podcasting platforms and leaving lovely reviews as well. It's all greatly appreciated and I'm really excited to see where this podcast goes next year. Uh, this episode is out a couple of days later this week as I've taken a little bit of time off from the holidays. So I hope you've all had a, a glorious time over the holidays yourselves and normal business shall resume next week with Tuesday releases of the podcast. So that brings us to this week's episode, which is the 50th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. To those of you that haven't listened before, over the last two years, I've interviewed over 170 people around this question. The objective is not to find a universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. Well, I also want to share more genuine reflections of the human experience. On the 50th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm delighted to introduce Claire McQuillan as our guest. Claire is currently completing a master's in architecture, where she explores the dynamics of sex work in urban settings. Additionally, she shares her life's insights and experiences in a newsletter that I follow, Alice Claire. During our conversation, Claire shares her recent realization that she isn't an architect, despite a decade of studying and working in this field. We delve into the intricate process of letting go of roles and labels that we self-identify with, exploring both what helps and hinders us in these experiences. Claire also shares her journey as a 30-year-old single mother to her teenage son, Sebastian. We discuss the joys and strains of parenting, finding meaning and purpose, and the societal pressures and lots of advice that generally accompany the role of a parent. Finally, we explore the significance of local neighborhood community. Claire and I both reside in the same neighborhood in Berlin, and we reflect on the profound impact of a fully connected local community on our lives. Whether you find yourself grappling with letting go of self-identifications, navigating the complexity of parenting amidst societal pressures, or simply curious about fostering more local community in your life, this episode offers ample food for thought. As you'll hear shortly in the conversation you're about to hear, Claire also works part-time as a barista in my local cafe. I really wanted to interview Claire because, firstly, I think she has some really profound experiences from her experience as a, as a single mother. While whether it's in the conversations I have with her or even in following her newsletter, I also think that she has a really genuine way of expressing herself, which you don't find every day. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And if you enjoy this episode, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please continue to leave your reviews as I greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. And so without further ado, I'd like to wish you a happy new year and hopefully a great one for us all next year. And so for now, the 50th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Claire, thank you very much for joining me here on the What is a Good Life podcast. Uh, it's very strange to see you over a screen as opposed to in person. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have you here. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, um, good point. We always see each other over the counter at the cafe. And it's nice to have a proper conversation without customers needing something from me or, you know, <laughs> Claire, as, a, as I always kick these things off, it is with the question of, is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? Yes, there, there are many questions. I don't think I can just narrow it down to one, but I think especially right now, as I'm coming towards the end of a chapter where I'm finishing my master thesis, I'm really just wondering, like, what is my place in this world? Like, what, what am I, what's my role? What am I supposed to be doing? Who can I help? Like, yeah, what's my place? That's kind of really messing my, with my head at the moment. <laughs> and I'm very busy thinking about big picture things. Yeah. And, and at this point, where what's your, your kind of journey with, with that question up until this point? Well, I think today was the first time I voiced it out loud to my dad, who's an architect, and I'm studying architecture. I said, I'm not an architect. And that was the first time I said that out loud. I'm not an architect. I may have right. studied for it for a very long time. I've worked as an architect, but that's not me. So, of course, that's like a bit scary because I've spent the last 10 or so years thinking that was what I was going to be doing. And now I'm kind of... Yeah, trying to figure out what else I can do with the skills that I've acquired, with the knowledge that I've acquired. But yeah, I'm not really sure yet what that means. What the hell did that feel like to say that out loud um, when kind of partially identifying as that up, up until this point? Super terrifying, but also 
really freeing, like a huge weight falling off my shoulders, I guess. But yeah, scary, very scary. There's a, there, it's a very loaded thing. I mean, like the fact that my dad is an architect, there's always been a pressure, I think, for me to follow in those footsteps. It's something that I've spent the last 10 years learning. So there's the pressure of like, oh, have I wasted my time learning this? And also, you know, my future, like how will I be earning money or what will I be doing? So there's like a lot weighing on it, on this identity of an architect. Um, but it also feels freeing because I finally was able to admit something to myself that I guess I knew for a longer time than I thought, but just saying it out loud felt very freeing. Isn't that, like, I find that such an interesting part of life, like the way things can be simultaneously like scary and then really relieving as well. Like, I don't know, from my perspective, it's um, even stepping away from finance, although I didn't know what the hell I was going to do next. Um, and I knew I really didn't want to do that anymore. I still felt really, um, I don't know, to show up in this world and not have like a one word answer for what do you do or what are you like do, do you know what I mean like to when people ask me like even now what are you doing and I'm still like kind of fumbling coaching and I do this podcasting and I do this writing stuff do you know what I mean like yeah. it's when when I don't have even though I feel very alive with what I'm doing it's it's amazing I think from my perspective anyway how even if we're not attached to it anymore or even if we don't want it anymore not having that one word I think is a is it's almost like a security blanket yeah, of course. And it's it's got so many reasons for why we feel scared. I mean, there's the way we've been socialized or brought up, you know, that there's just only one thing out there for you or you just kind of follow this one direct path. Um, and then there's also, I guess, just, yeah, not being able to define something or just, you know, there's a lot of multi-hyphenate sort of people out there. And I didn't even know what that meant for such a long time because I thought, you know, you can only do this one thing and be an expert at this one thing and that's what you stick with but um i feel like yeah we just we're in uh, generally as a society i think we're, we're kind of coming around to the fact that nobody's path is just this linear thing into the future but it's it's all over the place and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> and are you are you getting comfortable with that yourself yeah i in theory totally like I'm, I I like this kind of being a jack of all trades and trying lots of different things. And I also get overwhelmed by how many things there are to try out. I think that's also like a problem of just like there are too many choices out there. But in practice, like actually then applying that to real life, that I find really scary because then questions like how am I going to pay my rent? come up and that's where I then find it difficult to actually put those theories in place of like oh you can do anything and be anyone you want but then when it actually comes down to it I need to put food on the table and I need to pay my rent so sometimes the most boring job is going to be doing that for me you know. And what do you find like Claire in terms of like like what gives you then comfort in even making this this even this decision like or what like what freed you up enough to do that in terms of you know like to to embrace that kind of uncertainty or or almost to the to, to embrace the task of proving proving your theory so to speak mm, i'm not sure if i like understand your question completely but the way i'm kind of interpreting it is that i I think it's really important for myself to surround myself with people who are proving this kind of theory already, who are doing different things and trying different things and also falling on their ass doing different things like failing and showing me that it's okay to fail and life goes on after that. So I find that very helpful. Like just in my circle of close friends, I've got a lot of freelance friends who are just hustling, I guess, and making it happen so that's very inspiring and just being creative for me has always helped because creativity to me there isn't like a money value behind it for me because it makes me feel good I can express myself I can 
try and help other people I guess like creativity for me is a very helpful tool to think beyond just making money and proving my worth in some way I guess I don't know if that makes sense no no that 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 absolutely makes sense it's um I think it's uh it's incredible like from my perspective I went to 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 university I came out with just a general business degree and most of my peers from either high school or university all went into pretty traditional professional services roles and it's amazing when if that's mainly what my like my environment's very different these days I guess but if that's my environment I remember uh, a friend of mine when they heard that I was going uh, taking a sabbatical and traveling around the world and ending up in a certain part of the world like he genuinely a good friend of mine asked me like have I joined a cult <laughs> like like do you know what I mean like so I so I, I don't think uh, I think what you're saying there is very important for for anyone who's trying to figure out their own way in life because if your environment isn't kind of, and it's not that you surround yourself with yes people, right? Like, or just people that won't hold you accountable or, or whatever it may be. But I, I think we have no idea just how influential our environment is and in, in even alluding to what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's funny that you say the thing about the cult, because I think a lot of my friends from back home in Australia probably thought the same about me moving to Berlin. I mean, I come from like a small country town um, where you go to school, then you kind of get a job or you get married. A lot of people get married in their early 20s. They buy their first house. They have their kids and their car, you know, and they have this kind of life set up and it's it's this, um, yeah, like a lot of people tick these boxes, I guess, that they feel like they have to tick off and I'm not saying it's not a valid way of living at all I think I think they're very content and very happy um in those in that environment but I just knew that that wasn't for me at all and then I guess like when you're looking in from the outside at my life for example living in Berlin they're kind of like what are you doing there like Berlin's a place of party and hedonism and like what are you doing there come back right. and be an adult and you know get married and do the do the things <laughs> so i can relate to that a little bit i guess it's uh it's interesting though i think um like it's there's so often we're looking to kind of put these things in competing um you know boxes and i definitely noticed even on my travels sometimes like how people would always reflect back to how other people they're just doing these corporate jobs and they're slaves and blah 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 and i'm looking around at a lot of the people and i'm almost like if, if you have to contrast your own life with somebody else's to justify your own existence i, I mm. think you're already kind of struggling like or, or like or you're at a disadvantage to actually appreciating your own life but even just what you said there like like if this is i think one of the hardest things to identify and i think what a good life is for some of us like is just it's it's for you right it's not it's not about whether it suits everyone else in the village i'm i'm sure there's people listening that just they there's two people that are doing the exact same job in the exact same in a very very similar situation and one of them should be absolutely doing it in my perspective and there's probably one of them that definitely shouldn't be doing it you know like i yeah. i think there's something sure. about like there's something that kind of scratches away at us like you, you know what i mean or or drives us to do some of these things and yeah I don't I don't think it's ending up in app, like there's an external metric to define whether this has been a successful choice or not like it's just something that we felt compelled to do I guess. Yeah. And I think that is like the the one aspect where I do tend to get a little bit spiritual because I do believe in like we make choices and those choices they set things in motion and like there are so many parallel lives that we could have lived I could have stayed back home I could have found the love of my life and you know like had a wonderful house and children and that would have been a very different but probably a very nice life just as well so you yeah it's it's hard to it is weird to compare you're right but funnily enough like I've always had a weird thing with comparing my life to others because I, because of my, I guess, unique circumstance of being a teenage mother, 
I've done everything backwards to other people. And as much as I try to compare myself to other people, like, oh, you know, the girl that I went, um, or one of my best friends, actually, not just any girl, that one of my best friends that I went to uni with and studied architecture with in Australia, she's, you know, finished with uni. She's a registered architect and she's doing amazing. And I'm just like, ah, why am I not there yet? Like, why am yeah. I not in that position yet? And then I'm like, oh, hang on, but she hasn't done the kid thing yet and I'm almost done with the kid thing and it's just you know it for me I do catch myself comparing myself to others it's I think it's a human thing but then I always have to like remind myself like there's just no point because you're you've done everything backwards and yeah what was uh, <laughs> what was it like then the decision to to come to Berlin um like in in the circumstances there and even with the with the younger kid as well and all that like what was the what was the like was this a was this something that was always on the cards for you like was this something that you like that you you thought of spontaneously um no it was kind of a plan for a couple of years i i moved here with my ex-partner and he is a musician and he always wanted to be sort of central somewhere in Europe so he could tour for his music. But I put on the brakes for a long time and I wasn't ready to move to Germany. I mean, I grew up in Germany as a child until I was 13, 14, and then I moved to Australia. And my memories of Germany were just like a stinky, small, tiny village and closed-minded people. <laughs> and so I wasn't really keen to do that again or go back, I guess, go backwards in life. And then I, I said I want to finish my bachelor in Australia and then I'll think about it. And as soon as I finished my bachelor, we moved to Germany, but never with the intention of staying here. Like the intention was let's just try it out for one to two years, see how we feel. And that was really good, I think, because if we had or if I personally had known this is now maybe the rest of your life or maybe the next 10 years, then I think I would have freaked out and just really been hesitant to move my whole life over but because we just kind of did it with the intention of trying it out it felt a lot easier there was a lot less pressure because if it wasn't going to work out we could always go back to Australia and I still have that option which is a very privileged option like if shit hits the fan here then I can pack up and leave <laughs> and you know that's that's a very privileged position to be in I think. When you though mentioned even just the way you you perceive yourself doing things almost uh, backwards to to what everyone else has done it like you know you're comparing yourself potentially to your your architecture um, architect friend there, and then you say you're almost done with the the child thing at this well you know obviously never done, <laughs> but like how's how's that been to like to navigate that like to to have that as like. Because I'm in this weird spot now as well. Sometimes, even where I'm, I I don't know. It's hard to think that anything is is. Uh, it's hard to think that you need to do, be doing anything different in life when you've got a little child smiling back at you. Sometimes, like I, I'm not saying that there's like a, I'm I'm not saying that there's like a, a like it's not stressful or whatever, or there can't there can't be fears with it. But it, it, I don't know. There's something. There's something really interesting to me, I think, in just like the when we think of our priorities in life and if we've done something so well in one area of life, like that, like all the other comparison stuff, it, it when you've kind of done it well in one of the most significant areas, it, it kind of dissipates as well. Yeah, definitely. I I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about this because I've yeah, it's been the last thirteen years, I guess, that I've um, being confronted with this idea of like, who am I? Where do I want to be? What, you know, what jobs or whatever? But at the same time, like, who am I as a person? Who am I as a mother? I had to like figure that out for myself very, very early and very fast too. And there's a there's a few things like I'm I'm so grateful for being a mother. I'm so grateful for my younger self of like making that choice and going through with it because it definitely has given my life so much meaning obviously I mean I don't know if it is that obvious but for, to me it's like I do a job that is full of love and full of meaning and I get to teach 
this child about the world, I also have a huge responsibility, which is also very scary. Um, and yeah, I, I actually talked to um, a really good friend the other day and I told her that I was doing this podcast and I was kind of like, I don't know even what he'd want to talk to me about. I'm not an expert in anything. And she's like, Claire, you're an expert in being the mother of your child. Like yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. that is your expertise. Like you are raising a, a man who is going to be hopefully completely going against the stereotype of what it is to be ma masculine or you know you've you're already talking to him about toxic masculinity and you're teaching him about kindness and respect and openness and in Berlin of all places like that's that's your expertise that's your purpose and that's the job that you're doing and I had never even thought about that 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 was something that I might be actually good at doing or that that is you know what I guess I'm here to do like for me it's always just a given and it's just what I do on the side and it's also not the first thing I tell people that I do I don't tell them like I'm a mum I usually tell them oh, I'm an architect or architecture student I work in a cafe and then like third or fourth down the list it's like oh I'm and I'm a mum yeah and it, that I guess is a very bizarre thing to do because it takes up literally a hundred percent of my time and is the most meaningful thing that I could do. And you're right, like a lot of other things do fade in comparison when you get to see a human next to you or in front of you that, yeah, is part of you, that comes from you and that is reflecting what you're taught, like what you're giving them. How... Like, cause you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, like I, you often see me even in the cafe sometimes, even without like a phone or a, even something to read. And I'm just kind of sitting and observing things. And I just like to, even in the neighborhood, I just kind of like to watch things go by, if you know what I mean. I love that. And, and it, it, but it always strikes me like, um, I don't know, your relationship with your son always strikes me as something very genuine, like, or I saw him have his arm around you, your shoulder one day as you're about walking past the office space that I'm renting. Out, and I just thought Man, that looks so fucking beautiful, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, how how would you, like, or how would you even think of just how you've navigated all of that? Because, like, so for, for me, even, I've come to being a parent at the age of 39, right? And so even from my perspective, even, look, I... I I wouldn't change anything because my my daughter wouldn't be the same child that it is, right? Yeah, but of course. Optimally, I'd love to have maybe been more ready in my early thirties or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, or maybe yeah, yeah. whatever. Like, and not even just thinking on a timeline, but just age gaps and whatever, whatever way mm. your mind works, right? But like, I'm almost grateful for the fact that I didn't have a child when I was twenty eight, <laughs> because. My my toes when I when describing having a child uh, when a friend said they were twenty six or twenty eight, my toes instantly curled up at the thought of what sort of steward or guide I would have been as a parent at that stage. Mm. So when I see from a, albeit from a distance with you and your child or your son, like it's kind of remarkable to me that things are seem to be the way they are and you know we have frank discussions sometimes where you're not sugarcoating <laughs> anything but yeah. but that still seems to be the case um yeah i i will tell you straight away it's not always easy and there are so many things that i do wrong for sure and it's i think the whole age and age gap thing is like it's the same as one size doesn't fit all i think you can probably have a really amazing relationship, which I do have with my son and the small age gap there is, but it can probably also be very problematic because I also notice I am very like, especially now as he's turning, like he's a teenager, which means he's very independent, which means I've regained a lot of my independence and my freedom. And suddenly my selfish, like my ego is just coming out loud and strong because everything that I've missed in the last 13 years, I want to do now. I want to party. I want to run away. I want to go traveling. I want to, and it's just like constant, you know, this yeah. need for, I just want to put myself first. So I know how to rein that in. And I know that it's also allowed that like I'm allowing myself to have these moments, but 
I'm sure that can also, um, yeah, like, I don't know, it's, it's a fine balance and it's a fine, yeah, it's a balance that I have to find every day of like, how can I fill my cup and like not put myself last because it's important, I think, to put yourself first as a parent as well so that you can be a good parent, but also how can I put my child first? And it's it's not always easy to get that balance right. Um, but we, I am, I'm really happy like for the relationship that we have because I guess I'm very involved in his life, which maybe one day later he'll reflect back on and be like, my my mum was overbearing as hell. <laughs> <laughs> she knew way too much about my life, so maybe that'll be an issue later down the line, which is fine. Um, but we also have really beautiful conversations and we, you know, he sends me TikTok videos and I send him little videos because we can kind of relate on this level, which is funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's very different to the relationship that I have with my parents, where, where there's a lot more distance and it's a lot more, yeah, conservative. I guess I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I don't think it matters really about the age difference. I think it just matters that you have conversations all the time. As soon as your child can start speaking, it's important to sit down with them and be interested in them. You know, I think that's a really big part. Like I, I genuinely. I'm interested in Seb's my son's life and how he's how he feels about things and what his opinions are on things like I I I love hearing this so I I love having these conversations with him and I think that's a big part in creating a good relationship with your children yeah I think um and I think it happens even I even see it with like you know friends around my age whether that's they're they could be 10 or 20 years older than me or 10 or 20 years younger than me. And there's like a big difference almost in the quality of relationships that I see sometimes. And it's not always just based on on the generations, if you know what I mean, because there's anomalies within all different age groups. But I don't know, there's something, if if there's almost like a friendship or like a, a curiosity, it, and of course, like a parent has to be a steward of a child's life. Like, you, you know, there's that dynamic to get right, I'm sure. But uh, the way I see it is like, I see some of my friends have genuinely become, they've become friends with their parents. Like as an adult, they've met their parent again as an adult. And it's not that they they don't go back home and, and it's, tan, you know, falling into, of course, there's always going to be that parent-child dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that there's something really interesting about the, the quality or the the dynamic of the relationship. This goes for any relationship too, but when you can just start meeting each other a little bit eye to eye, when you have a big curiosity about like, how do you see the world? Like there's just, I think there's something magic that happens with that. So I, I really like this sense of I'm interested because I don't know, as much as I think, you know, there's, what I found really off-putting about becoming a parent lately is like I'm almost avoiding other new parents um, because they're just telling me about all these ways and and these techniques and these products that they're buying and, you know, the stress of you have to get them into the right school or keep it at the right time and and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, I man, the, the two things I'm armed with is like I want to love it and pay attention to her and um you know I, ideally that um you know that i that i can be present like do, do you know what i mean and and kind of hanging on the idea that we've raised children in caves before like so yeah <laughs> you, you it know, worked like, out fine then it will it'll work out <laughs> fine now. Yeah, yeah yeah i agree i um yeah i have uh, a lot of issues with this funnily enough when I, yeah, when I got pregnant at 16, I had 16 year old friends telling me, oh, you need to breastfeed. Oh, you shouldn't breastfeed it. You need to do this. And I was like, hang on a minute. Who are you to tell me? So it wasn't just coming from my peers. It was coming from, you know, older women, of course, other mothers. I think I went to mum's group once and I was 16. The other women were in their thirties and, you know, talking about nappies and what brands of nappies to buy. And, I just zoned out because it just also didn't interest me. Like I had other things on my mind as a 16 year old, such as like, I need to finish high school. I need to go back and do my homework. And so it just wasn't, 
my focus, I guess. And I think if I was to become a parent again, I think that would look very different. Maybe I would actually be really interested in what nappies to buy. But I do have an issue with people giving each other advice on very personal matters such as raising children um, because I think what might work for you, for one person definitely won't work for the other person. And, yeah, I had a close friend. She just gave birth. Like I'm now friends are suddenly having babies and it's really interesting because <laughs> I have a teenager and they come to me and they're like, Claire, what, what's your advice? You know, in a very generalised way, of course. But I just kind of say I don't have any advice for you. I don't want to give you any advice. Like I'm there if you need me for sure, but I I can't just give you a notebook full of little tips. Like that's, I can't do that. I, I don't feel comfortable doing that because I, f I think you will figure it out yourself and I think you need to trust yourself and just listen to your gut on a lot of things as well. What was that uh, experience of, like being in a in a pre uh, prenatal course or whatever, and and like surrounded by potentially thirty year olds? Like, was that like? Was, did you ever find yourself in certain situations in life where you're just like, "What the fuck?" Like, or <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I would not recommend becoming a teenage mom to anybody. I um I'm really lucky in that I I think I a was very naive when I was young and I kind of just didn't think about these kind of things um like I made the decision and I was comfortable with the decision I wasn't forced into the decision it was my free will you know to yeah. become a mother and then but I didn't think beyond that I didn't think like how it would affect um, my life I didn't really think about what others would think of me which Luckily, I didn't because I think once you do start to think about that, you can go make yourself a little crazy. But yeah, there was definitely there's there's been I can I can't even tell you how many times I've been approached by older in back in the day older people saying, "Oh, you look way too young to have a child," or you know, nice. um, is that or even my son now still gets asked, like, "Is that your sister?" Right, or is right. that your mom? So this happens a lot and I've grown such a thick skin over the years that I really don't think about it anymore. But at the start it was, there were a few times where it really like I was breastfeeding in a fancy restaurant with my seniors, like my high school jumper, this hoodie where it said 2010 seniors or something. And he was screaming and the only way to get him to shut up was <laughs> to breastfeed him and there was people staring at me and I think my face was glowing red I felt so much embarrassment and shame I hated it yeah um yeah so wouldn't recommend it's not a fun experience but I I was very lucky in that I had a good community around me I had very supportive parents siblings you know like I just I wasn't on my own yeah, I, I remember the, I remember one of our first chats and you were telling me about this. Uh, like I, I just, um, I don't know, had a huge amount of like admiration or respect. I know you said like <laughs> you didn't know what was coming when you made this choice, but like what a, I don't know, like what a, what an experience to go through to, to shape you potentially as a, as an adult, like to have, um, you know, to have experiences where you're you're feeling that and still coming through it, like and and carrying on with it, and then having a, a wonderful relationship with your son, and you know, for all the things that you were saying, like of um, how you're teaching him in the world, and how you're having these conversations, explaining things in a very open manner, and and you're curious, like it, it's, I don't know, I I think like it's it's something whenever I hear you talk about that, I'm just like, man, that's huge fucking respect for like. I know you, you don't kind of have a choice once you go ahead with the initial, as, as you know, when I say that, even as someone who's married and is late, yeah. you know, in his late thirties having a child, like I was fully aware of like, fucking hell, like all through the pregnancy thinking like, and it's a weird comparison, but it was almost like, um, maybe it's a very strange comparison, but sometimes if I take a large dose of psychedelics in a kind of an exploratory thing, we're in isolation in a, in a confined space, like not socially, there's a moment mm. where I do it and I take them and I'm like, 
oh fuck, like whatever's coming my way now is is coming my way. And and yeah. And we're being we're going through the whole uh, pregnancy thing and and whatever and now having a child like there's literally there's no escape from it like uh, and there's only forward there's yeah. literally there's yeah yeah I mean I think what helps and because there will be times there will be countless times where you don't necessarily re- regret your choice I don't think I've ever like had a thought of like oh I regret this. But definitely where you're having times of like, this sucks. <laughs> right. Um, and I think it's really important to let yourself feel that without any shame because maybe, I don't know how you as a father feel about it, but I think women have been conditioned and socialized to think that we're super maternal, we're super caring, we love caring for others and we love being a mother and we're going to be the best mother and we can do it all I think that's bullshit in to some extents because there are days where I really hate it and I just want to crawl in my bed and not do any of it (laughs) and I give myself the grace of like it's okay to feel like this um because then I can push forward again like then you know, after you take a breather and you kind of just acknowledge like, okay, today is just shit. Like today it sucks to be a mum. Yeah. Then you can keep on doing what you need to do rather than kind of sit in shame. Like I shouldn't be feeling like this. I should love my child. Yeah, <laughs> And I do, like, but sometimes. Like, I, like <laughs> I, I um, you know, I, I can, my if and I, my wife can say to each other sometimes like, <laughs> you know oh man I hate you right now like and you know it may be followed up quite briefly with the but I love you like you you, 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 you know what I mean like but like there's there's I I don't know I think there's such an obligation or pressure I I find this um I find this really enjoyable about some of the open kind of conversations I'm used to having um particularly with people that have had children and in some case, hearing about postnatal depression, and in some cases, just hearing about the sheer strain and stress of it. Like, you know, we've had a very kind of, I think, anomalous experience in that it, it, we were kind of prepared for anything and it, it's been relatively harmonious, if you, if you know what I mean. But whatever mm-hmm. was going to come our way was going to come our way. And, and even within that, like as a, as a father, like, you know, I remember having a moment in the, in the hospital just after a couple of days when it's not like my whole world had been turned upside down at this stage you're still in the hospital and you can press a button and you know <laughs> if, if if you need help but I remember just being acutely aware of like oh my missus now has a has a very I just felt it straight away she has a number one priority in her life which isn't me anymore and yeah and you know even when I hear some people talk about being a parent and they go oh I felt this instant connection that's absolutely not how I experience it. Like when, when Ava came out, she grabbed my finger and I cried. Like, you know, so I'm not saying that there wasn't a, a moment of like emotional connection or something, but I, I'm building that, like I'm feeling it more and more as even she engages mm-hmm. more with me. Um, but I remember definitely just feeling like a, like a sense of like, I hadn't felt insecure in this relationship and like moments of insecurity were, com- were coming up in me. Now I'm I'm grateful that I can just say that to my missus and she's not like going pandering to me going, oh no, I still love you or, yeah, you know what I mean? But like just that it can just be acknowledged because when I talk to so many other parents, there's so many universal things that I think people feel an obligation to say, like a, a reaction that they're supposed to have. And it's, I don't know, we're still humans. Like, and yeah. and, and at times we just want to suit ourselves. And at times we... I don't know at times like I can say some of the the most loving things and I can say the most like hurtful things do you you know what I mean and that's still me whether I'm a father or not yeah I I guess it's really like you're lucky to have a good communication with your wife because if you can just say those things out loud like it makes it so much easier doesn't it because you can just meet each other halfway um yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I've never really, I guess I've never thought about what it's like to have another person in yeah. this and care, like to, 
yeah and I guess it, it it was very hard to for me to be a single mother always that no question about it but at the same time I'm kind of lucky I'm kind of happy that I didn't have to also maintain a romantic relationship at the same time right. especially in the first like two years where really like especially as a woman your body is just touched out like you don't want anybody to touch you um yeah your child is your focus and then you have to work on another relationship as well wow that's uh that's crazy why do we humans do that (laughs) (laughs) what What were you thinking yeah (laughs) yeah it's uh (sighs) i i don't know it's uh there's something in in life where i i don't think um and it's why it kind of bugs me just the i don't know the the simplistic or binary way that we kind of label things as a good or a bad thing or the right or the wrong thing like there's so much complexity even within things that we wouldn't even take back you know like you know we're both saying in this case like oh yeah definitely wouldn't take this back absolutely not yeah but there's so much complexity even within that and i don't know for me personally that's like that's what i even when trying to have conversations or create content, like, you know, or to write things or to express views, it is just to show the kind of, there's way more nuance to this than just like everything, just because I say something may be good, it doesn't mean that it's always good. It doesn't mean that it doesn't leave me with mad doubts sometimes or uncertainty, or it doesn't mean that I don't have the I don't know, the crippling sense of, of being a human and the complexity in my mind or an insecurity or worries mm-hmm. or doubts or things like this that unfold. Yeah. And you saying that, like, it's going to make other people feel a lot more um, relieved, I guess, that they're not the only one going through that because you're right. It's, it's, oh, it is complex for sure. And, yeah, I'm I'm I guess I'm lucky like I to me that isn't a new new thought. I have a good circle, close circle of friends who you know most of as well. Yeah. Um and we have these conversations all the time because each one of us has their own ups and downs in life and then we discuss these ups and downs and we're there for each other and it's just so nice to be able to um be there and listen and know that we don't have to be happy all the time or we're not going to be sad forever or, you know, it's not going to be stressful for the rest of it. Like we, it's when you see other people going through things and talking about also complex issues, whatever that, whether that be relationship with your parents or things like that, it it immediately gives you something to reflect back on and kind of think like oh yeah I'm not alone in this and I'm not the only one feeling this yeah I think that's um you know as I was telling you just before this that I started these kind of conversation circles as well and even somebody last night and it mentions like oh it's such a relief to hear somebody reflect back some of the same things that I'm experiencing and and I don't know like I I think this is such a like this for me is a I, I wouldn't say like non-negotiable, but like it's a fundamental part of a good life for me is that sense of like, I've got some people that I can express these things to. And, yeah. you know, I love the way you even described it there. Like, it's not that you're saying that I go to this group and they prescribe me a bunch of solutions. You know, you said you listen to each other. And then it's not that you suddenly know that your problems are over. It's just that ah, I've, I've just by virtue of the fact of hearing almost potentially the entire entire thread of somebody else's experience, ah, I can literally see a, a an in-person up-close example of how this too shall pass or this t- this will end, you know? Yeah. And, and just yeah. like happiness may come again, sadness yeah. may come again. Exactly. Yeah. Community. That's what it's all about, I think. Just having a community or being part of a community or creating a community. I think that it's, that's what it's about. And for you, even in, in Berlin, cause I'm always, uh, 
I've almost I feel like I've had the opposite experience when I hear Berlin's a very lonely city or you know like uh, different things and I what I fully appreciate the sentiment of that and I heard the same thing when I was in in London as well um has that been has that been a process has that been a realization for you or is that something that has always been quite clear to you oh <laughs> how long have we got no <laughs> no honestly um I thought moving to Berlin I would be totally fine my native like the language that I grew up speaking is German so I kind of went into this project to this new life chapter thinking I'll be fine I'm gonna make so many friends whatever and then I moved here and I was so lonely and depressed for two years like or 18 months let's say I, I I'd never felt more lonely I was in a weird part of Berlin I was in West Berlin and Charlottenburg so there wasn't much going on there and I was stuck at home with my then six-year-old child so I wasn't really able to go out much um I had a partner who was constantly working or touring and I was just I had no well I had a few friends but I had very little friends and oh I yeah I struggled a lot and then something happened um I guess getting to know the place a bit more and getting to know people a bit better and the friends that I um, met the friendships sort of deepened and then after two years something shifted and I suddenly felt like I belonged and I felt like oh this is this is not so bad and this city isn't so bad I've just had this kind of gray fog um, in front of my eyes for the last two years and yeah I guess for me um hospitality it's a love hate relationship I've been doing it for the last 15 years as like a side job and I love it because it brings me closer to people and I get to know people and I meet people from all sorts of backgrounds whether it be customers or whether it just be the people that I'm working with and I've worked in so many different cafes in Berlin and I've met so many cool people that for me that's always been the key to integrating here or to um making like making it feel home to me to just yeah work in a place that you get to meet people that's i think that's been literally the key in making berlin feel like home and i've been here eight years now if not longer and i love it yeah, I now, especially the um, neighborhood that we live in, I I love it. I love that um, everyone kind of knows each other and that you can say hi to each other in the street or in the supermarket and you recognize people. Um, it's it's wonderful. I love it. You know, like it, it's really, uh, it's, it's really, like I never thought that um, I'd feel this there is something really nice in this neighborhood like uh, you know i've uh, some people that have seen some or followed this new the newsletter that this podcast is a part of before will have heard me comment on the fact that like it's hard to kind of articulate how good it makes me feel to walk down the street like let's say to my local supermarket 500 meters away and potentially just have three or four hellos um even if like you know, I, I've mentioned before that there's some people I just say hello to because I just I made an effort when I got here, like, um, you know, coming from Peru before and how everyone would just say like, buenos dias, buenas tardes and like all this sort of stuff as you're just walking into town and you'd never meet these, never know anything about these people other than you say this and they make eye contact. And I used to always say to if and we're there, I just fucking love that. Like, so when we mm. got to Berlin... The thing that I was so focused on doing was like saying like, ah, you know, guten Morgen in my Irish accent. And yeah. and of course, I get tumbleweed here for months. Like, you know, I was going to say that that would have freaked people out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what does he want from me? Yeah, I know. I know. Like, so I have my my German wife beside me who's almost like I can feel her every time I'm doing it, like almost like tensing up going, oh, please stop <laughs> doing this. And then. But eventually it got to a point where um, there's people now that I still say hello to in this neighborhood that have never spoken to me. and mm. But I get a huge friendly like wave from across the road. 
And and of course, some of these things have turned into proper conversations. But I do think that there is something there is something quite unique in our little neighborhood here of like it's a little like little corner of Berlin or something where it actually feels like its own little I don't know its own little village. And it's just like a very normal. It could happen anywhere, if you know what I mean. But I I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it can happen anywhere, to be honest, because I think it takes a unique set of like an infrastructure of, for example, we all live in apartments, so we don't have our own private backyard um, that we hang out in. So we do use the public spaces available to us. Um, There are amenities close to us, such as shops. So we do walk the same routes and whatever. I think that from an urban design or from an architecture perspective, that actually makes a lot of sense in creating that kind of sense of community when you have all these things close together, um, you know, a little cafe on the corner that people can go to because coming from Australia where it's a lot more typical to live in the suburbs and, and living in the suburbs means you have your own house that you may be renting or own, it doesn't really matter, and you have your own backyard that's fenced off to the neighbours and the fence is so high that you cannot actually physically peek over the fence. It means you never really come into contact with your neighbours and everybody drives cars. Even, you know, my son's childcare centre was maybe like 800 metres down the road. I I wouldn't walk him there. I'd drive him there because then I'd drive to uni. Right. And... It means that this kind of community building, this neighborhood building doesn't really take place because everybody lives very isolated from each other. They live in their kind of nuclear family home and they don't cross paths with people that they usually wouldn't even hang out with, you know, like they hang out with their kind of close friends and whatever, but not with people that you just randomly stumble across and then randomly figure out, oh, we actually might have something in common. And I think in cities it's a lot more common that that happens. But then, yeah, there's still something nice and unique about our neighbourhood, I think, because you're right, it doesn't happen on every street, on every neighbourhood. It's, you know, like I I definitely think that, you know, even when you were talking about your experience and I've I've definitely experienced like loan, like I've moved country five times. So even, even when I came here with IFA that like, I still, I said to her because she was kind of conscious of me coming to her country then, you know, like how, how I was going to feel. And I remember after a couple of months, even saying like, I know I'm, there's, I'm feeling this loneliness now. Like, and she was, uh, she saw me going to nearly every kind of different event on like I was happy to go on my own meet new people like it's there were people already in my life even at that stage where I still felt I felt a bit lonely and um, because mm. it, you can still have people in your life but if they're not like real connections like or if you're not kind of having the kind of depth of conversation because it hasn't it hasn't been earned yet you, you know what I mean like I know yeah. you can have intimacy straight away and you can get into deep and meaningfuls but they're still not the people that you'd call at three or four in the morning. Um, exactly. But but it is really, um, I don't know, I really think that's one of the most underappreciated and the most simple and obvious uh, contributors to the, the way I feel in my life is having like a, not even just friends in the city, but even just so many people I know in my neighborhood. Like it, it's, oh, yeah. it's so different to, to other places that I've lived in from that perspective. Absolutely. I mean, we we also like live in a society that tells us to be, what's the word for it, like individualist or like um, to be in competition with everyone or work your way up to the top, like all these kind of um, capitalist ideas of like how we should be living our lives. And it, it that kind of is the opposite to that, you know, like, oh, no, it helps to be connected to other people for no other purpose than to just be connected and to wave to each other on the street or get that friendly smile from somebody who recognizes you. Like it's just, there's nothing you gain from it other than a feeling of like, oh, it's, it's nice to feel seen here. It's nice to be welcomed here. You know? Yeah. I think that sense of, uh, you know, in so many of these interviews that I've done, like I I think, that sentiment of to be seen has come up uh, so many times. And I, I think it even, 
I don't know, even just with the idea of raising a child again, like, I don't know, that's kind of just been imprinted in my head, like of just <laughs> pay attention, you know, pay attention, let the, let the child know that they're seen, if you know what I mean. And, and I, I don't know, because there's something, I see it when I just say hello to people sometimes, even if it's someone I haven't met yet. And it's one of my, almost like when I'm planting seeds, it's one of my early guten Morgens, mm-hmm. like, you know, like when they're kind of half, like, well, who's this weird guy again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but sometimes even if it's someone who I vaguely know and you say like hello to or good morning to, I can sometimes see the transition in someone's face where they may be kind of locked in. This is what, what maybe just what my projection is, but their face looks even a little bit strained. And just the fact that someone has looked in their eyes and said, good morning, a smile, like you, I, very often I just see a smile break across their face. And the way I always interpret it is it's just like, I'm big into self-inquiry and stuff like this and sitting with stuff yeah. and time by myself. And while I think that's massively important in my own perspective or understanding of life, just sometimes that can be too much too. And, you know, if you're saying that if someone's working, maybe if they're living, even living on their own, or maybe they work from home, I think just these small moments of connection I d- mm-hmm. and small moments of just being seen again, I, I, I don't know, I, I think it, it can be as simple as that sometimes in, in what we can afford each other. For sure. Maybe we should change um, it takes a village to raise a child to it takes a village to live a good life. Yeah. <laughs> like it takes, you know, a community to, yeah, yeah, feel seen. And in order, like, if you feel seen and if you feel this, like, spark of, like, oh, somebody appreciates me being here this morning at 7 a.m. walking my dog or something, um, it, it, we can carry that forward. We can integrate it into our next encounter with the next person and pass it forward, you know. Yeah, except today when I was like crying, walking down the street, I was like, I do not want to walk into anybody right now. I don't want anybody to recognize me. That would have been absolute horror to me, I think. Yeah, yeah. Julie, Julie noted. I don't, I don't <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens so rarely. And then, of course, it happens when I'm out in public. It's just like, yeah. But maybe the universe is looking out for me and going, no, Claire, the path is free. You can walk home. Nobody's going to see you. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, which I, I think is the other part of it too. Like sometimes, uh, I don't know, sometimes if we are in a, if, if, if not, not necessarily, it doesn't mean that we're in a shitty mood if we're crying or that things are a bit heavy or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, sometimes uh, like it's that dance between like, ah, sometimes it's nice to be comforted and sometimes it's just nice to have the space to just not explain anything to anyone, uh, you know, yeah. not perform for anyone and just like, oh, oh, today is one of those days. Yeah, for sure. But that's when you take the back roads, then you don't walk <laughs> past the cafe, you just take the back street and that's fine. <laughs> that's the beauty of living in a grid. You can just like take a different street. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Claire, yeah. just like over the the course of the conversation, we kind of started out with you asking yourself the question of like, what the hell do I want to do? Who am I? Um, so kind of even just your own exploring, even just moving to, to Berlin, even your experiences of, of being a teenage mother, what you've learned from that experience, the, even what we were talking about in terms of like the expectations sometimes and us as people to perform a certain way in certain roles and, and letting go of some of those expectations as well. You know, even the ideas then of like, uh, and the real significance of clearly something we both share as well of this, this need for community, this satisfaction of in the community that we both happen to, to be in. And just as, a, as I tend to, to ask the question at the end of these uh, conversations, it's uh, what, what is a good life for you, Claire? I've been scared of this question for the entire <laughs> length of this conversation because I don't have an answer for you. No, um, no, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a tough question. I mean, I think when you summarize it like that, all those things contribute to a good life. I I'm a very extroverted person and I love sharing and I love sharing my experience and talking about my experience. And I think I like doing that because I want people 
or anybody who might be going through something similar to me, I want them to feel like they're going to be okay. So I guess a good life for me would be like being able to help others through sharing my experience. It, you know, whether it is in my community or further than that. And I just, it's important to me to like, find a balance between helping others, giving myself the time and the rest that I need in order to put it forward and, yeah, just just having a sense of meaning in my life that's important to me more than anything else. And just out of out of interest, the the things that bring you most meaning at this point in time are um, the relationship with my son, um, relationship with my friends, learning. Just I love learning. That that gives me a lot of meaning. Just learning about new things, and that can be through you know uh, consuming things or just conversations. Um, I knew like going into this conversation with you that that was like that was something that I looked forward to the most just learning something new you know whether it be about you or about our dynamic or whatever I just I knew like this was going to be good for me (laughs) (laughs) so and I go into I think this is what I go into a lot of things in my life um like I really love learning and requiring new knowledge so anything to me any experience to me is an opportunity for more knowledge and more experience and so I tend to like dive headfirst into those kind of things well Claire I I hope this experience didn't disappoint you then on on that front but not at all I I had a lot of fun great um look Claire thank you so much for joining us here on the what is a good life podcast uh I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what you shared. Just like, um, as I said to you before in the cafe with your newsletter, which I'll, I'll have a link to with this podcast as well. I just really enjoyed the, I don't know, like the the lack of bullshit or, or projection or like performance. Anytime I talk to you, it's always an absolute breath of fresh air. So um, I hope anyone who's listening will, will also check out your newsletter as well. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to, to future conversations, which we'll no doubt have. 